0: People in in villages in the Philippines, Venezuela, even small villages in India, they couldn't work because of COVID. And they had, you know, physical hard labor where they were working really, really hard and not making that much money. And now they were out of even that paycheck. And what Axie kind of provided was, hey, you spend, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day, you can probably earn more than what you were earning doing that hard labor. And you're playing a game.
1: Anil. My friend, how you doing? So uh, so nice to have you here. Pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. How's, uh, how's life these days? You, it's. Uh, are you in New York? It's hot as hell here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, in New Jersey
0: right now for this week, just taking care of Grandma because my parents are away. But um, yeah, I'm going to be living in Brooklyn this whole summer, East Will- Williamsburg.
1: Nice. Good stuff. All right, before we jump in, we're going to have a crazy conversation uh, about your disclosure party in Miami, NFTs, DeFi, all that fun stuff going on at uh, Delphi. But quick... Uh, shout out real quick to our sponsors, Luca and Exodus. Uh, we're going to talk more about them later in the show. And then also, if you guys aren't attending our Bretton Woods conference, it's the first BlockWorks event uh, that we're having since COVID and everything like this. So it's uh, it's in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire. Um, head on over to our website. Uh, the events team has generously given me a discount code that you can't find anywhere else for 5% off tickets. So use that code Empire. All right. Anil, you coming to Bretton Woods?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, 5% off. Uh, I no <laughs> no brainer,
1: that. right? No brainer. Yeah, no brainer. <laughs> no brainer. Cool, man. All right, let's, um, before we talk about DeFi, all your guys' investments, I wanted to get the inside story. You guys had a, uh, you DM'd me Sunday night of Miami and said, yo, Disclosure's coming to a house party. What's the story behind that? How'd you guys get linked up with Disclosure?
0: Yeah, it's actually uh, probably my favorite, um, you know, crypto story so far um so basically a few months ago uh you know right in the heat of the nft you know hype cycle um disclosure kind of tweeted out and you know a bunch of us at delphi were you know huge huge fans of disclosure been for you know over a decade now and essentially they were auctioning off their face which is like a big part of their brand but the secret power this nft really had was that any holder of it got four tickets um for them and like their friends to the any disclosure show for eternity right so as long as you hold this nft you can go to any disclosure show and my friends and i were like man we could you know make our money back on this in like you know a couple of years cuz we'll just be groupies and just follow disclosure around everywhere we go so um you know we didn't know how much it was going to go for but you know a cool part about the auction was in the last uh, you know guy from disclosure he's basically playing a 2 hour set um during the auction and then every 10 minutes at the end whenever a new bid uh, set in it would set the, reset the timer for 10 minutes and he would just keep playing. So he ended up pretty much getting wasted, you know, playing, uh, you know, this auction DJ set for an extra two and a half, three hours. Um, we were just excited to be a part of it because we were, you know, he was shouting Delphi digital, which, you know, it's Delphi digital, but you know, the Europeans always like to pronounce it like that. Um, and, you know, we were just happy to be a part of it. Didn't think we'd win, ended up winning it for, I think it was uh, 140 grand. Um, and it was uh, myself, my other partner, Jan, uh, one of our fun ops guy, Ansh, uh, who's also one of our best friends. And then two guys from uh, Blockchain Capital, Alex and uh, um, Derek, uh, who they were actually bidding against us early on. And we basically reached out and you know, they're one of our clients at Delphi. And we were just like, hey, guys, like instead of us bidding against each other, let's just team up. We got mad tickets anyway. What happened afterwards, we did not expect. Uh, within you know two hours, shout out to Cooper. Uh, you know, he's, he connected us with Guy from Disclosure. Um, and we started hopping on the phone. We actually recorded a podcast with them, et cetera. And, you know, in the weeks after that, we just, you know, I kind of, uh, bothered guy a lot, you know, shot, uh, my favorite music case and I've asked him questions, whatever. He actually lives in Miami. So we went to Miami the first night we would go to an event and, um, you know, I hit a guy on the side and he's like, Oh, actually I'm going to be stopping by there, whatever. Let's meet up. And basically, you know, every night that weekend, we were just, you know, going out together, getting, you know, getting drunk, having fun, meeting people, etc. Um, and on Friday night, uh, you know, we were celebrating one of our friend's birthday, Max Bronstein's, on Monday. Um, and I told Guy about it. I was like, hey, like, what are you doing Monday? You want to come by? He's like, yeah, sure. I was like, do you, "Like, would you be down to play it? it was, you know, not thinking he'd say yes. And he's like, yeah, sure. Like, whatever. You know, you guys bought my NFTs. I'm down to do, you know, wh- wh- whatever you guys want. Um, and literally put that party together within 48, uh, hours and it ended up being like one of the best nights of my life. (laughs) I saw some like debaucherous 5am videos and pictures of, uh, no one wanted the night to end, you know, no one wanted the night to end. And you know, Guy, um, Guy from Disclosure is such a, like a humble, great guy. Guy came, uh, at 6pm, uh, at the party, you know, was basically there to help us set up too, and just like hanging out with all of us and he also stayed, you know, he played a set, he went on for 3 4 hours almost. Um so you know, we got you know, it's actually insane that we got that and then he also hung around and had beers with us afterwards. He was there till like 4 or 5 a.m. as well. So, yeah, I mean, it was a uh, it was a great night.
1: Nice. All right, wait, so back it up. So you got so it's 140k split between 4 people or 6 people? it was six, so
0: i think it right, so, each six, came out so like you 25. each drop like 23
1: 25 okay yeah yeah
0: yes and honestly like looking back now it's like the biggest no brainer even when we bought it we were like this is like a, a steal now we're talking to you know one of our favorite artists ever um and i think you know we we will get into this later too about like you know the real power of nfts right um really moves that conversation um from like uh you know from super fans right into you know directly to their artists and i think um you know, there's the best part about that party and, you know, one of the best nights of my and most, uh, you know, anyone who attended that party's life was like, that wouldn't have been possible without an NFT, right? Like there was just no way, shape or form that party was happening without, um, you know, an NFT. And also, you know, Guy from Disclosure, that was the first house party he's played since over a decade ago. He was t- laughing at us. He was like, I haven't played a house party um, since before Latch came out. You know, he came 10 years ago, Latch came out and they just became these superstars. Um and he was like, I never were, was able to do like such a small private event. And he had, you know, a blast too.
1: Did, uh, did the team let you guys, well, I guess you started the company so you can do whatever you want, but was this a, a business expense or a, uh, or a personal <laughs> expense?
0: <laughs> I mean, it ended up, it was uh, going to be a personal expense, but then it ended up getting so much brand value. And, uh. I think, uh, you know, we, we actually have locked in a couple of different deals, even investments um, since then. Uh, so, yeah, it ends up shifting to the Delphi balance sheet, I think.
1: Yeah, put it on the company card. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no wonder it's a no-brainer investment. <laughs> yeah. uh, very cool, man. Very cool. Um, let's uh, can you, let's let's talk real quick about just what Delphi Digital is and the kind of team structure and what you guys have going on, and then we'll jump into the NFT stuff. So what um, what is Delphi?
0: Yeah, honestly, so, you know, Delphi, my partners and I, it was, uh, you know, four of us, um, we, we started it in 2018. We all came from traditional finance backgrounds, right? So, um, essentially, you know, we worked at boring jobs at like Deutsche Bank, Bloomberg, etc. And when we fell down the crypto rabbit hole, like basically everyone else in this space, we just never emerged, uh, you know, back up from it. Um, and, you know, our whole thesis was like, hey, if we can get, you know, there's a lot. We were very convicted of what's going on here. We knew something big was happening, but. We didn't know how it was going to play out, Um, and it seemed like no one really else did either. So we thought, hey, if we could get paid to, you know, uh, learn about this stuff and kind of start a research firm, it'd kind of feel like cheating. And, you know, that's exactly what we did. So it started in 2018. We started a, you know, research firm. Um, Obviously, Delphi Research, very easy to understand. You have, you know, two main subscriptions. One's for retail. It's $50 a month. The other's institutional, $500 a month or $5,000 a year. Prices are actually doubling soon, so, you know, get get on that if you're listening to this podcast. But quickly it morphed into, um, you know, in traditional equity research, when you're covering a company like Apple, I can't get on the phone with Tim Cook and I can't say, hey, Tim, like, you know, from your balance sheet, use X amount of money to go into, like, you know, the healthcare industry or the education industry, because I think that's a good fit for Apple. Um, In crypto, we really, you know, learned very early on um, that, you know, we could actually have a big impact in these protocols that we were covering, right? So we didn't just have to critique them. This actually started when we put out this big ETH report where we walked through why the economics of E2.0 didn't, you know, make total sense. And we, we were not comfortable with it from a securities perspective. And that was such a big report for us because within 24 hours, we were talking to Vitalik, the whole E2.0 core team, sharing our models. Um, you know, about a month afterwards, uh, Vitalik pushes through a proposal, goes on a podcast, shouts, shouts us out and immediately the floodgates for consulting open, right? And that's when the next evolution of Delphi, uh, Delphi Consulting uh, started where, you know, now we're pretty well known because we have uh, worked with, you know, all the big De- DeFi protocols like Aave, Synthetics, Yearn. Um, you know, we designed a token econ for AXS, um, Axie Infinity. Um, and, you know, now now we actually have transformed that consulting business into its own beast called Delphi Labs, where we also incubate projects. So we're actually going to be the first team that's building a core piece of obvious protocol that's not the core team so really excited about that we're doing the same thing with lido which you know we're really excited about as well um and last year the you know next progression was uh starting delphi ventures where we invest in uh protocols as well so you know um really you know we have these three divisions research consulting ventures alpha is kind of uh you know the product of each each of them right research we try and find alpha consulting we try and create alpha ventures, we try and, you know, invest in uh, off that alpha. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, we just uh, are trying to be like a talent black hole and basically create people's dream jobs uh, within the space. Anyone passionate about the space and who wants to start,
1: you know, contributing, um, we probably have some room for them at Delphi in one, one way or another. Is there one company that you look at in the more traditional capital markets world or, or just the world in general that you're like, okay, that is, the, that is the dream right there. We want to be like them and model the business after them?
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And, you know, like the honest answer, I mean, obviously we have some like, you know, as far as their credibility and kind of, uh, you know, brand value perspective, maybe something like, uh, you know, Goldman or, you know, when I used to work in banking, whenever we were looking at a deal um, and we wanted to do DD, sometimes we would uh, um, go to like PwC or, you know, one of the big four. But whenever there was a big deal that we wanted to lead or something. Uh, Our MD would always be like, like, it wouldn't even have to be a conversation. We'd go to like someone like a McKinsey, right? Um, So sure, I have that kind of like in in the back of my head, but really the best part about building Delphi has been there's no playbook, right? And there is no real traditional like analog of what we're creating here because of all the synergies from the the three divisions and the impact we can have uh, by, you know, building and just like, you know, trying to contribute positively to the space.
1: Nice, one. All right, so we've got a ton of folks who listen to this that actually don't know much about crypto. I, I would say they they know a lot about crypto, but they're crypto adjacent, meaning they mm-hmm. don't actually work in the industry yet, and they're still kind of like, all right, they maybe own some Bitcoin, they own some ETH, they probably got in in twenty seventeen, and now they're starting to dabble a little bit more. They're looking at DeFi. Can you explain what the tokenomics business is and like what is tokenomics?
0: Yeah. So um, you know, some of these people might be. You know have heard on twitter whether they liked it or not have heard the term like shitcoin right um a shitcoin is basically like a coin that has just you know should have no value all speculative everything like that and you know a lot of people who are maybe at first looking at the crypto space or have been turned away from the crypto space in the past they might think okay everything's a shitcoin everything has no value it's all speculation etc um a few years ago sure that might have been true to some degree Um, You know, it definitely is true to, uh, you know, some degree uh, for a lot of projects that still exist today. But um, I think, you know, a lot of focus that our team spends on is the protocols that actually, uh, you know, have networks where a token plays an important role within that network to either help bootstrap growth, uh, you know, keep security, or in some way is an incentive mechanism for that network to kind of actually accrue value and add value to kind of uh, the society, right? Um, So a lot of what we do in our business is, Really think through, okay, where does this token play a role? How can this token be used in an innovative, unique way that can actually, uh, you know, one, help the network kind of grow into what it's trying to become, achieve whatever its vision is. But at the same time, hopefully accrue value as that network gains traction, right? So, you know, n- basically help number go up if the mission is actually achieved, not just because, uh, you know, they spend a lot of marketing or something like that.
1: How do you actually do that though? So like let's say you look at Ave, right? And Ave comes to you and they say, well, We've got this token, or like Uniswap and they've got like Uni token, right? So do you act like do you go into the code? Like are you looking at like what their tokenomics what does it mean to like look at the tokenomics model?
0: Yeah, so that's uh yeah, that's a great question. We definitely have devs and stuff that look at code, but for token econ, you almost don't have to be a technical, you know, person or anything like that. Um really you just gotta understand how to think through um it's a lot of game theory honestly if you read you know like a white paper so you know some of these tokens like you know you know uniswap very clear it's like a governance token right um the value in it is that you get to hopefully make decisions of this network that is you know now uh has over billions of dollars in volume every day and has you know uh, a shitload of users but at the same time uh there are you know that governance can also maybe enact a fee somewhere down the line etc so that's kind of like you know, Uniswap's current token model. And, you know, that, that could change. The best part about governance tokens is, like, you know, this can adapt over time. Um, so the way that our team really does it is really uh, look at it from base principles, right? What What is the protocol trying to achieve here? In Aave, right, um, our team actually played a big role in helping design uh, kind of their, you, you know, um, r- risk uh, framework and their platform. And, um, you know, a lot of where the token comes into play is actually providing a backstop, right? Um, and, you know, People who take on that risk to provide that, you know, insurance uh, get an outsized yield, too. So um, there is, uh, you know, and, and that's a function and that's a big part of what Ave provides as a lending protocol, especially at the volumes that they're doing, too. So, um, you know, every the best part about it is every token is different. You're going to have you're going to continue having these different token models and uh, keep existing. And um, it, it's just a really, really, like, creative, like, white space to work in, which is, like, the best part. Yeah. I think.
1: Let's go high level real quick. Like, what are the different types of token models? There's like the governance model. There's maybe like BNB or like FTT, like lowering fees. Like what else is out there when it comes to token models?
0: Yeah, honestly, it's hard to really segment them into buckets because every token kind of changes. Um, you know, even if, if you're looking at like uh, centralized exchange tokens, right? They all kind of innovate. Some maybe get, might give discounts. Some might give a burn. Some might actually give that, uh, you know, money back. as like a Leo or something like that. Um, so all of them kind of, and, and that, that's my favorite part is like, even in the specific sectors. So even like index coins, right? Uh, Uniswap's token as the governance token is different ha- than how Sushi's token is with, uh, you know, XSushi, uh, as well as different how Rune is, is, is built. Um, so it's, it's kind of difficult to really bucket them. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's really difficult to bucket them, honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. Um, you guys have always been really, really early into different trends in crypto, right? Like you guys were some of the first people I knew of that started talking about NFTs. Uh, if people subscribe to Delphi Research, not to plug you guys too hard here, but like, you know, you guys give some like crazy 100x investments that you guys have had recently. And uh, like, how do you guys come across, I guess it's a two part question. How do you guys come across these investments? You know, you guys are early in a lot of tokens at like 30 cents and now they're at you know, 15 bucks or something, right? So like, A, how do you come across these? And then B, how do you actually have the conviction to allocate capital or allocate resources or whatever it may be to them?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Because, you know, when we started Delphi Research, um, and, you know, I think a lot of your listeners might have gotten cold DMs from me, uh, you know, a few (laughs) years ago when I was trying to reach out to everyone I could and say, hey, listen, you know, We're trying to build a script, research firm. We're trying to look at the fundamentals and, uh, you know, you should subscribe to us and everyone, you know, basically everyone came back to us and was like, you guys are idiots. Like, why, why should we look at fundamentals when we get 80% discounts and you don't get liquidity in two weeks? Um, so right from the start, our team was probably one of the few teams in the space that literally didn't look at anything else. We didn't look at discounts or, you know, private markets or anything like that. We were only focused on the fundamentals and that kind of like really ingrained it, um, and helped us kind of catch these narratives before it happened. Right. Um, and also I think a a big part of it is kind of the research division itself. So every month we promise our clients a number of reports and we're looking at everything in the space and. The best part about it and, you know, my favorite part about reading Delphi research is we're not, um, you know, we're not looking in hindsight. We're actually trying to look ahead. And uh, but we do that by not only looking at crypto Twitter's echo chamber. Of course, we're going to cover, you know, when Polygon and NFTs go crazy. We're going to give our clients great things to read about that and great analysis and insights. But most of the research that we're doing is actually stuff that, you know, no other, um, you know, for uh Firm or, you know, media site or, you know, even most crypto analysts on Twitter are looking at because we're just like forcing ourselves to look in these spaces that may not be as sexy to people right now, but we think in nine to 12 months will be kind of like the big focus, right? And I think, you know, it, it, this was really difficult when we first got started, um, just because of how fast crypto moves and it definitely hasn't gotten any easier. But one thing that has been real big benefit to us is our team's grown immensely, right? When we started the company, Uh, It's been four people, and even though we totally bootstrapped it, um, we've gone up to 45, 50 people now, right? And so we probably have the biggest research team in crypto. And, uh, you know, even having the biggest research team in crypto, we look around and we know that we're going to miss a majority of what happens in crypto. It's, like, impossible to catch that. And I think, um, you know, one thing our team stomachs well for the most part is, like, not having FOMO. Of course, we get FOMO on some of these 1,000Xs that, like, look so obvious in hindsight. But um, I think we know that we're not going to capture everything. But, you know, when we do capture something, we really try and get very convicted and then build that conviction out to our uh, audience and show them why we're convicted. And uh, also our audience is very smart, too. So they battle test our assumptions as well, too. Right. So, you know, if we are ever you know, maybe wrong or, or thinking about something in a way that maybe someone else has a different opinion, we always get that feedback almost uh, imminently, which is uh, you know, been huge, huge help.
1: Yeah, when you guys do the token analysis, oh, um, so I listened to your episode with Mark Cuban yesterday, nice. and he, I mean, that, first of all, that's pretty cool having a. <laughs> I think you, I think you or whoever the other host was was like, Mark, you're just a a crypto DGEN <laughs> just like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but he, but you guys were talking about something interesting, which is basically all the metrics right now are like. I think he said this. He's like, the metrics right now are crap. Like total value locked, like. Number of users, like transactions per second. He's like, I don't give a shit about any of these metrics. So when you guys are doing fundamental like analysis on these tokens, like, do you agree with him that these metrics are crap? And then like, how do you actually do the analysis on them?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it, it, it's funny you mentioned that because first of all, Mark is like a total degen and, and he's totally a down. Complete to degen. <laughs> uh, honestly, we 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 keep talking. You know, we keep in touch, and I send him a bunch of our research, and he's asking like all the right questions, um, I, we've been kind of blown away, and I think he hit the nail on the head, right? Um, a lot of these metrics are kind of like use, useless, um, but at the same time, we know our clients do care about them. So, you know, there is some form of it that we, you know, accept like, okay, this is something that, you know, we'll mention in the report, etc., just to, you know, show like a relative value or a comparison. But, um, you know, that's the that's the part that we're most excited about, actually. And, you know, we have this big uh, Delphi 3.0 launch happening in the next uh, month where, we're basically revamping our whole subscription, updating our whole portal, and um, I don't want to give too much away, but a big piece of this is actually going to be um, a portal which allows a lot of these research engineers that we just hired over the past two three months, uh, George and Gerald, um, to build out some really useful and proprietary tools that you know you're not going to be able to find on uh, these other sites or you know online because um, you know we'll do the research, do the analysis, and then know the takeaways of okay these are the trends or these are the uh, exact things that you have to watch. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. And I couldn't agree more.
1: All right, guys, it's ad time. I'm gonna let you guys in on a little secret. There's one company that's powering a ton of the crypto data in the space. And by crypto data, basically there's all these, uh, companies, traditional financial institutions that need crypto data for, you know, accounting purposes, for tracking the value of their assets, for running audits. Right. And so there's one company, they're called Luca, L-U-K-K-A. I've talked about them on the podcast before. They're powering some of the largest businesses in the world in both the crypto and traditional financial services space. They're the primary pricing source used by S&P Dow Jones Indices for their new crypto index. So I want to uh, just throw this out there. If you guys are any sort of business that needs to value crypto assets, create financial statements, uh, perform any sort of normal accounting audit process, you guys should head on over. It's Luka, L-U-K-K-A, Luka.tech, L-U-K-K-A dot T-E-C-H, forward slash empire, or just head over to Luca.tech forward slash empire, tell them I sent you, they'll take care of you. Alrighty. Let me know what you think. The other day I posted on Twitter, I said, who's the best entrepreneur? Who's the entrepreneur that everyone should know in crypto but maybe doesn't know already, right? We're not talking like the mainstream, the super big folks. Who's the best entrepreneur that's kind of under the radar in crypto? God, post went crazy, got like 300, 400 comments. There was one name that kept popping up, JP Richardson. JP Richardson at Exodus. So I thought, man, that's crazy. Exodus is one of our sponsors. Let me call him out. Right. So JP Richardson, CEO of Exodus, done an amazing job building one of crypto's most loved apps. And there's a number of reasons. They got a mobile app. They got a desktop app. You can instantly exchange over 100 different currencies. They've got interactive charts. Uh, they're fully integrated with uh, the Trezor hardware wallet so you can always be secure. So if you're looking to buy crypto, if you're looking to just get away from just buying one or two currencies, you want to explore other things, go to exodus.com forward slash empire or just search exodus in the uh, app store or play store. Check them out. Shoot me a DM on Twitter. Let me know what you thought. Go follow JP Richardson. Go check out exodus. All right, exodus.com forward slash empire. Outside of uh marky mark uh, cuban any other like big you know billionaire names or any other big like institutions that are clients
0: yeah yeah um there's many i can't say because uh, they're still you know either moving into space or probably don't want me to say but you know, we talked to uh, a bunch of different teams here. we talked to you know chamath and his team uh who's just started allocating a lot a lot into the space um and i think um you know my favorite parts about these conversations is like you know every one of these conversations it's not like the same Pitch works, right? Like e- different things about DeFi and crypto bring in different types of investors. Like uh, with the social capital and uh, Jamat's team, when we went on uh, line with them, I think one thing that really blew their mind was um, when we showed them, you know, Dune analytics, and we showed them like, uh, you know, the maker financial statements, and and also just like all the data. And we were showing them how it updated in real time. And they're like, wow, they're like, this is amazing that the team, you know, that maker's team built this. And we were like, ah, that's the best part. Like, this is a maker's team. This could be anyone. Anyone who knows SQL could go on, pull this. And they were just like, mind blown, like, all right, let's start investing money in all this. <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, that, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been a Yeah, you just had that with, uh,
1: with, with uh, Nexus, Nexus Mutual and um, I think it, it was exactly. the DeFi Pulse guys. You know, didn't, yeah. it's like putting together basically the real time quarterly, well, they call them, you know, quarterly reports in the traditional world, but like real-time reports on balance sheet, income statement, you know, things like that. It's huge. Yeah, no,
0: it's absolutely massive. And I think like these conversations and the best part about it is we, we, you know, crypto Twitter is its own kind of like, you know, it's uh, stuck in its own vacuum and, you know, in its own echo chamber where, um, you know, when prices go down, everyone turns bearish. It's the end of crypto, et cetera. Um, Meanwhile, like during these weeks, we're, we're having calls with, you know, some of these biggest, you know, the biggest capital allocators, uh, you know, around right now, and they're getting their minds blown and they're not, you know, they're running towards it. They're not running away. Right. Um, So, uh, yeah, I I couldn't be more excited, honestly.
1: Yeah. What do you think the guys like um, Chamath and Mark Cuban, what do they like about DeFi? Like, what is it that is so enticing about crypto? Is it just the returns, which is fair?
0: Yeah. No, I think I think the returns are one part. But, um, you know, I And th- those guys have so much opportunity that, you know, returns isn't going to be the only reason they come into the space. Right. Um, I think that technology is really like a 10 to 10, 100 X kind of improvement to um, a lot of what goes on in LegFi. I'm not saying all of it is, you know, perfect and uh, is already such an improvement. But um, the core attributes, right, uh, it's permissionless, it's transparent. The transparency is just such a big key. We've seen this happen in the financial crisis as well. If that was built on, you know, crypto, you'd be able to actually see the risk in this uh, in the system rather than having to wait a couple of months before people are like, oh, whoa, we were that leveraged? Like, that, that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think also, like, the uh, openness and also, you know, the composability of protocols is just so massive. We're coming off, like, a decade where you know, Fang and all these fintech companies have just absolutely crushed it. You know, one of my favorite companies and, you know, when I used in my old life, as uh, you know, when I used to invest a lot in stock in the stock market, um, one of my favorite companies was like Square, right? Um, for two reasons. They, they did two things really well and that were really difficult. One was, um, you know, the cash app. This is direct to consumer. Then two is their Square Terminal, which was direct to business. Those are two really hard segments that most companies can't even get one right. And they were able to do both. And I was just like mind blown, like, all right, I need to put some money in in the square. Um, But when you compare that to something like DeFi, like Square's team, no matter how great they are, they're just, it's not even close, right? They're not going to be able to compete with the world of DeFi and these developers that have this tool set where everything that someone else builds over there that, you know, you've never even talked to can be a Lego set that you use in your application and you don't have to rebuild everything from the ground up where Square, they're basically building with their limited kind of tool set within uh, Square uh, and, and their company um, and maybe other like, you know, middleware things like, you know, plaid or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't think it's going to be you know close.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at Coinbase and Uniswap, right? Coinbase has like a thousand employees. Uniswap has like 20 or 30 or 50, well, however many they have now. But like, you know, 5% of the employees of Coinbase and Uniswap volumes like you know, not anymore right now, but used to get close to Coinbase, right? No, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, Teo, other strategy lead who, who
0: I'm friends with as well, he tweeted out this, that stat. And I think one big important piece of that stat, too, is like how much money was raised, right? I think Coinbase raised, you know, uh, almost half a bill or maybe a little uh, half, half a bill. Um, and then Uniswap raised maybe 13, 15 mil, right? Like, uh, and this is just really showing you the power of these networks, And um, are really just a testament to like what's actually being built here, right? And how scalable these things actually are.
1: Yeah. 540 mil. I just looked it up. 540 mil, 540 mil, thousand thousand plus employees. And uh, you got this little decentralized thing coming up on uh, Biden at their heels, right? It's pretty cool to see. There's like this interesting thing that happens in crypto where in traditional finance, you have venture capital and you have hedge funds, right? And in crypto, like those concepts are kind of married together because yep. a lot of the venture firms end up buying tokens and if you own a liquid asset well inherently you're not a VC you're more like a hedge fund um, yeah. especially if you end up trading it so then inherently you're a hedge fund right so what is when, when you see something like um, like Solana right Solana just raised 314 i think it was 314 million mm-hmm. what does venture investing into Solana actually look like like, are the VCs getting a token, like SOL token, at a big discount to the market with maybe a two or three year lockup? Like, how does that actually work?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um, we actually participated in that salon around, so I can definitely get some more clarity around there. But, um, you know, it obviously depends on the deal. But the standard format usually is, especially because there's so much volatility that, you know, um, you know, during the raise, even if you're having in a bull market, crypto raises happen in, you know, two weeks, you'll get on a call on Monday and they're saying they're closing on Wednesday, like make a decision ASAP, which is, uh, you know, it was pretty annoying as an investor, um, but you know, great for the founders. Um, but you know, if, if you, you know, that volatility is just so key, right? Like, you know, by the time you start raising and by the time you end raising, your price might've gone up by three, four X, etc. So usually the way that people do it is like a moving average of the last like 30 days or something like that. Or, you know, if there is a discount involved, uh, uh, you know, say 20, 30% discount, to the moving average of the past 30 days and then obviously with that lock. I think um we have seen some unique formats come up where there may, might be two rounds being raised uh at the same time where one raise is at a lower price but uh has a much longer lock and then uh uh one has a raise that has a you know much higher price but a, a much shorter lock and I I thought that was actually uh you know a creative way to go about it but you know, if I was those founders, I would basically say anyone who wants a shorter lock, like I wouldn't let them invest, you know, I would just like do the one raise and you, you want you want to be long term aligned. And I think these, uh, you know, locks uh, do help with that. They don't help totally, though. I don't think they totally solve the issue because, you know, a lot of the a lot of these times, um, you know, if you get one fifth, one sixth of your vested tokens in the first year and the thing has gone up by three, four X and you got a discount already, like you're going to be able to get at least, you know, uh, majority of your principal out so uh you know it's not as much risk as i think um you know you're being compensated for a lot more than the risk that you're taking so um you know I, I don't think it's a perfect model yet i think uh you know the good thing is that the ecosystem is you know crypto is a lot you know the community is very small you know like uh you know everyone knows everyone else and you know the more people who are working on these different projects um I think uh, it's really like up to them to be able to say, okay, these were the investors that actually added value. And these are the investors that, you know, kind of were just a little bit malicious and were, you know, just got in and didn't do anything afterwards and just stuffed the token after they, you know, got their vesting yep. done.
1: Yeah. Um, can, once you get a token in a venture raise, can you then like stake it? Could you do some yield farming with it? Could you like earn interest on it or, or, or do you basically have to put it in like cold storage for two years?
0: Yeah, so this is also very dependent. There's some networks that almost, uh, you know, do gamify and uh, say, hey, investors, like, you know, your tokens will be locked, but you can earn this massive yield on it. Um, we were actually in a situation like that, and it wasn't on purpose. It, it, one of our investments, Alluvium. great team, great community. Um, they, they, uh, when the contracts went live for staking, uh, a lot of the community members, um, and even in, uh, investors on our team and the core team, they realized, oh, wait, uh, actually, investors' tokens who were locked can actually start earning this outsized yield, and that's going to hurt the community, right? Because we already are going to have such, you know, we're going to have way more tokens than most of these community members who are just starting to uh, get exposure, that our yields are just going to be massive, and we're just going to have an outsized portion. So what was beautiful about this is the community, the investors, um, you know, I think it was us, Framework, and Parify, um, and the core team, we actually came together and came to a proposal to the community and said, hey, We'll give up that you know we don't want to be able to outsize earn that and like you know like uh, I, I think that was a difference and the community just absolutely loved it you know there were r- huge fans that we weren't even um, you know th- because at that point we had already gotten that, right? Like we could have just said, not, like cut their mouths shuts, not said anything and been able to earn that massive yield, uh, you know, before the community. But honestly, like if you're thinking out long term, that's how projects die, right? Um, by not getting not by being fair to your community, not actually spreading it to the people and the supporters who actually want to be involved. Um, so yeah, I was really happy with that outcome. But yeah, I mean, there are definitely projects that, you know, give that extra benefit to investors. Um, which I honestly, you know, as an investor, and you know, this is kind of talking against myself. I, I don't think it's the right thing to do.
1: Hmm. Who are you said? There's some like malicious funds. I'm gonna make you uh, name all of them. No, I, who are um, <laughs> who are some of the who are some of the best funds in DeFi right now?
0: In DeFi right now, yeah. I mean, obviously,
1: Parifies in like every deal framework. Those yeah. guys are killing it.
0: Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we're. The, the fun part is, like, you know, we're, we're really close with most of these funds in the space by now. But most of them, if not all of them, we can, you know, are proud to call clients. Um, and I think each has their own benefit. But, yeah, I mean, we really do enjoy working with the Parify guys a lot. Um, Framework, uh, you know, we, we they, they've d- done some great stuff, too. And we've co-invested with them on some of, you know, my favorite deals, honestly. Um, you know, one fund that I think uh, should probably get a little bit more spotlight is IDO. Um, they're not, you know, they may not be DeFi, uh, you know, native because they don't come from traditional finance backgrounds. They're actually like from a design perspective. Um, you know, they're well known for designing like that first mouse at Apple. Um, but these guys are, you know, they, they, they're really on their game. They really are thinking about the future things. And they're probably one of our favorite funds, to, you know, game, uh, to chat with. Um, the mechanism guys for example, um, you know Andrew King, uh, Ben Simon, uh, Mark Weinstein those are some really good friends and I think they understand incentive mechanisms um, you know just as well as that team and consulting team at Delphi does. Um, so they're always fun to talk to and I think um, you know I- I'm probably forgetting so many names here because there they are a lot of great funds but you know another one that we really do enjoy investing it with with is you know obviously three hours in the Spartan uh, Spartan guys um they they also bring a whole unique perspective to us um you know we're we're stuck here in the west even though we have a you know now our team of 50 is basically decentralized we actually have um some analysts that share an office with uh defiance capital from three arrows so uh um in in singapore but um they they really help bring a unique perspective to our conversations as well
1: nice shout out jason Choi. he's got a good podcast block i love that guy um yeah great dude um let's talk about the nft fund because we talked about DeFi a bunch. So you guys launched and uh, you guys la- uh, partnered with this NFT investor, G Money, uh, for an NFT fund. If I remember correctly, G Money was the guy who, per guy or gal, I'm not sure, but yeah, purchased yeah. a, uh, uh, a CryptoPunk NFT for, I think it was like 150 or 140 Ethereum back in the day. It's like 200K or 150K, I forget when exactly it was. But like, what's the backstory of the fund? Why did you guys launch an NFT fund?
0: Yeah, so uh, some context too. It's actually a totally on-chain fund. Um, and shout out to the Flamingo Dow guys too. They, they also were the pioneers in kind of the on-chain uh, space. We actually did it in a slightly different way. We used one of our portfolio investors. Right, so, Neil, what,
1: what does it mean? What was it mean? Sorry to interrupt, but like, what's it mean that it's an entirely on-chain fund for the folks who are, maybe aren't actively in crypto?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, so to give you some context, basically one of our portfolio companies, Syndicate, uh protocol they're building out um they're building out the infrastructure for DAOs to be spun up quickly these investment firms and social change funds to be spun up quickly as well as uh you know a social network around kind of investing which uh i think you know later this year you'll hear a lot more about them but what what it means to be an on-chain fund is so you know g and you know my partner jan and i we'd become quite close earlier this year um and you know he had a lot of nft alpha and we we have a really good nft team but he had a unique perspective where a lot of our nft team were more so productive entities like gaming which i'm sure we'll get into as well later um and we had a lot of DeFi alpha obviously being delphi so we thought you know why not marry the three and bring g in um and uh you know kind of share all that alpha together um and you know we were actually going to try and spin up a fund uh you know, a traditional fund, but, you know, we looked into it, the legal paperwork, it was going to take two to three months. We were right in the NFT hype cycle. We were like, man, this is going to be a headache. We almost called off the whole entire fund. Then um, Syndicate, uh, we were catching up with them because we, you know, uh, have weekly calls, bi-weekly calls with them to game plan and, you know, help them wherever we can. And they basically said, hey, we're actually launching in a couple weeks. We'd love for you guys to, you know, be one of the first teams that we launch like a fund with. Do you have any ideas? And you know jan and i kind of like looked at each other and laughed and said actually we, we want to launch this like nft fund but we weren't gonna we can't do it traditionally so it would be really cool to launch this on chain with you guys and um what what that means is basically everything that first of all all that whole on-chain fund we were able to get an LLC um and set up within 15 minutes and left for less than 15 dollars um and uh you know that is just like you know such a difference to what you know setting up the original delphi ventures fund was and what setting up the original NFT fund was going to be that it was just like blew our minds being users of a protocol that we invested in and being one of the first users it was just like we know this thing is gonna you know absolutely crush it and what really that automates away is everything right so like so you know all the investors all they had to do was send their um uh send their contributions to uh one of the wallet addresses and then the wallet addresses. now whenever we make investments it'll know okay this is the x percent of this address and then whenever we do distributions the carry the 20 percent um, will be baked into it too so whenever we give distributions back it's going to go back to the addresses that allocated the 20 percent is going to automatically be taken out and you know further down the line you can see integrations where this is going to have you know uh in an in integration with like something like a token tax or you know a tax software where um basically it'll look on chain and say okay you invested this much. This, uh, you know, this holding period was X amount of time because it's all on chain, right? It's all all on the ledger, and this is how much you got back. These are your taxes. Everything's taken care of, and uh, you know, not not no like admin, no auditing, no nothing because it's all you know just done on chain, which is like it, it's been total mind blowing to me. Faster, cheaper, like everything. And 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 the cool general, about easier. it too is, yeah. and the cool part about it too is like you know, as syndicate rolls out more features, you're gonna see us use this as a signaling thing too. Like, you're gonna be able to see us, it's gonna be like a social network of us saying, okay, we bought this, you know, um, we invested in this protocol. Why do we invest in this protocol? We'll write something, a comment about it. Oh, we bought this NFT. Oh, you know what, even though we own X amount, you know, say 10 punks, we just sold this punk, but this is why we sold it because we think this guy can bring more value, or this girl can bring more value. And this is why we sold it, etc. And it starts building this web. And I, I think um, that whole market is kind of like untapped right now. And I think uh syndicate's gonna, you know, do it in a really cool way. So we were excited to have infinity, which is uh, the NFT fund. And you know, Anyone who's building anything cool in the NFT space, or something that you think Delphi can add value in, we're really hands on, hand, hands on investors. We basically become extensions of the teams that we invest in. Um, please reach out to us, G Money, or you know, you can just email us at nft at delphidigital.io and um, you know, we'll we'll get back to you and you know, hopefully start you know, running you through the DD process.
1: Always hustling, Anil. I love it. <laughs> Always. Um, so, so in terms of NFTs, like a lot of folks who. Again, like a lot of people who listen to the show maybe are a little like on the outside of crypto looking in. And so they look at prices primarily or they look at like mainstream media or they look at the kind of the hype cycles. So a lot of maybe my high school friends or college buddies, you know, I'll get texting like, oh, like did NFTs die, right? Yeah. Like are NFTs dead? And, you know, that that's when you have to make the decision of how deep of a conversation you want to have, right? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, so what's what's going, like can you give us an update on, maybe post NFT, like the real hype cycle, like what's going on in the NFT space right now? Like where have, you know, prices have obviously drawn down a little bit. Like where are we at? What's getting built? What are you excited about in NFTs right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the best part. Builders are building, right? Um, We have seen such an inflow of NFT deals and it's not slowed down at all. I think um, there are a lot of uninspired projects that, you know, um, we'll talk about. Usually don't make it our investment committee um, because our you know NFT team and analysts are able to you know help filter that, um, uh, which you'll always see I think. But you know the the innovation is definitely still happening. I think people are really inspired, and I think um, you know very similar to how you know the 2017 bubble kind of created you know brought in a lot of talent and a lot of capital in the space. Same thing happened with that NFT hype cycle. I think you know as far as NFT hype cycle you know dying down like. Oh, what a surprise! You know, like people didn't want to spend 200 grand on uh, JPEGs and things like that. Like, uh, you know, how, that that just wasn't sustainable. I think anyone who thought, you know, um, that you know NFTs are dead, though, or is going to be very, very naive and you know very surprised in uh, you know a shorter timeline than I think most expect. I think a lot of the projects that we're seeing in the NFT space are um, you know building very fast and also building for long timelines, right? So um, yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited about that space.
1: If I, if you're talking to maybe a friend who, where'd you work before this, Bloomberg? Uh,
0: Sorry, Deutsche you, Bank, but yeah, Bloomberg before Do, that. Deutsche
1: Bank. If you're talking to a buddy at like Bloomberg or Deutsche Bank and, you know, he or she comes to you and says like, Anil all right, like I'm, I'm into crypto, like I, you know, I bought Bitcoin, I bought ETH, like I really want to get into DeFi, I want to buy some NFTs, like, but like I, I want to make money, right? Like where... What's like the first like platform or second platform that you send them to? Like, how do you get them integrated into the ecosystem a little more than just buying Bitcoin and ETH?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, um, you know, we, we did this teach-ins for a few of these big, you know, billionaire and big investing firms where we, we would you know put together a presentation and then we went through the presentation and by slide two, we were like, all right, we're exiting this presentation. You guys can read this after we're just going to show you, you know, we're going to show you the new world. And we would just boot up MetaMask, you know, and start going through these protocols. And a lot of these protocols that we went to were, you know, easy ones like, you know, Uniswap, Aave, um, but at the same time showing them kind of uh, their traditional counterparts, right? Um, So obviously Uniswap, you can go with like a centralized one, but, um, you know, with, with, uh, you know, these lending protocols, these derivative protocols, showing them how you're taking out a loan and then also going to doing analytics to see the data. Um, Really, I think we tailor those teachings and, that uh kind of like class depending on who my audience is um so some people i might show you know uh you know something like zapper where um you know we're investors in zapper and big band of that team they've done a great job of just showing uh, one that you know they recently had quest but it just didn't done a great job of making DeFi a little bit easier to understand because i think at first when people see it and you know they do get excited okay cool this is awesome but like holy shit you guys remember all these sites like how do you know one of my friends, he has like this whole crypto bookmarks thing. It started with like, you know, swap Ave, and now it's like a whole folder that like when he clicks <laughs> on, it's like, you know, thousands. thousand. No, it's uh, the same uh, thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, Zapper is an easy way to like um, make it just a little bit more approachable, right? Um, but at the same time, if I have a friend who is interested in gaming and, uh, you know, um, NFTs and things like that, maybe I'll show them something like what's going on in Axie Infinity and kind of, uh, you know, the community there. Um, maybe I have friends who are, you know, interested in, like, music and things like that. Maybe I'll show them something on, like, you know, catalog and how you can start becoming curated there or maybe even, like, uh, you know, what happens in the FWB, like, group chat and, you know, what community can actually uh, achieve. The my, my favorite part about crypto is, like, there's so many different rabbit holes and that's why I'm so bullish on it. It's just kind of, like, betting on human ingenuity where, you know, like, the NFT, I took, I, I, you know, I, I team was obviously very bullish on NFTs, but I'd be totally lying if I, I thought, you know, if we told our clients, like, hey, by the way, like, you know, in February of this year, NFTs are going to go like a thousand X. OpenSea is going to make X amount of money, whatever. Um, I don't, I don't think anyone could have expected that. Um, but at the same time, I think it's like, you know, NFTs was were able to be kind of that ten X from. Uh, you know, DeFi. DeFi might bring this user in, but NFTs bring this whole, uh, a whole different funnel. And I think, you know, DAO, social tokens, gaming, all these different sectors that crypto is obviously going to become embedded within um, is just going to become more and more funnels to, you know, the one same
1: place, which is, you know, the crypto. Totally. Um, In terms of gaming, you mentioned Axie a few times. I just watched this wild video. I think it was on VentureBeat. It was like 18 minutes talking about how Axie, is, uh, helping people in the Philippines who usually make like 200 to 300 bucks a month. They're making like 300 to 400 bucks a month. These guys in, uh, so I think it's like a little town outside of Manila in the Philippines. And, uh, they're making like 300, 400 bucks a month just playing this game called Axie, which I feel like I'm, I'm late to the game here, but you guys have been shouting from the rooftops about Axie. So can you just like, can you talk to gaming, maybe just dig into like, like what in the world is Axie and how do people get paid to play this game and like, how is it profitable for them? And like, what does this model look like?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Axies kind of pioneered and really absolutely crushed this model of play to earn gaming. Right. What what, what does that mean? You kind of described it there Um, instead of, you know, playing, uh, you know, a game and, you know, earning an in-game, you know, an in-game currency that you can't kind of take out of the game or purchasing skins that you can't take out of the game. Everything, you know, everything in Axie is very open. It's crypto. So, you know, the the basically the way you can think about it is it's kind of like a Pokemon um, where you can own, you know, a digital battle pet that's an NFT. And actually last year, our team, we spent 160 grand on buying like five of these and everyone, you know, thought we were crazy then. And, you know, now people, I think, estimate they're, you know, for 160 grand. Now people estimate they're at least four or five mil or something like that um, uh, now just because of the growth that the game has seen. But, um, you know, I think the fascinating part about Axie is like, if you take a step back and think about why crypto gaming hasn't become huge yet, um, I think it's like because of the opportunity cost in the space, right? Like, crypt, you know, I'm, I think everyone in crypto, me included and everyone at Delphi, we, we get FOMO when we're not working because of how much information and symmetry there is, how much opportunity there is in crypto. And, you know, when our team can spend, you know, a, a day, two days or a week diving into a protocol, understanding it in and out and get an alpha from like a gem that we find or you know find the next farm that's offering you know for you know a few hours maybe five thousand percent yield which you know got those days aren't here right now um it's tough for you know people like us to be like uh you know take the t- time out of our day no matter how fun a game you know like Axie might be to you know go on and play for eight hours and earn three four hundred bucks you know um so the opportunity cost for you know crypto investors was so high that crypto gaming couldn't really take off because. While crypto gaming was all always marketing to like, hey, you know, crypto games gamers come here, you can buy NFTs, etc. It was kind of the wrong market to audience to uh, to like market to. Um, what changed was you know, especially during COVID. I mean, this was happening a little bit beforehand, but COVID really accelerated this trend where, you know, people in in villages in the Philippines, Venezuela, even small villages in India. They were um you know out of jobs they couldn't work because of COVID, um and they had you know physical hard labor where they were working really really hard and not making that much money and now they were out of even that paycheck and couldn't you know put food on the table for their family maybe pay for um books or toys for their kids um and it was just a uh, you know really depressing you know de- depressing uh set of events that kind of happened there what actually kind of provided was hey you know, this might not be an op- a great opportunity for these crypto whales and crypto people who are DGENs, who are able to earn X amount of the yield and find these investment opportunities. But, you know, it's a game where you spend, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day. You can probably earn more than what you were earning doing that hard labor. And you're playing a game and you're not even just playing a game. You're being you're joining a community. You're uh, learning how to invest. It's actually an educational platform. Right. What, one of my favorite stories about Axie um, uh, is you know, back in I think it was September and I might get this date wrong or a month wrong. Um, when Uniswap uh, did their airdrop, right, their retroactive airdrop. Um, in the game, and uh, I, I didn't go over this in the game, you're basically earning a currency called SLP. And uh, you can t- trade that SLP and trade it into, um, you know, ETH or fiat or whatever you want to pay bills, etc. But the demand for the SLP because comes from you know, it actually having utility within the game, which is like the key part here. So um, you know, one key utility of SLP is like it, it allows you to breed uh, axes. So it basically lets you like have more axes by, uh, you know, bur- burning some of this. Um, what was crazy about, you know, this was a lot of people, they were maybe using Uniswap to convert their SLP in a fiat to pay bills, etc. you know, during COVID. And then Uniswap hit them with, uh, you know, this airdrop that was worth $1,300, which remember, these guys were making $400, $500 a month. This is like you know, a quarter worth of their salary, sometimes some even more, right? And a lot, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of these people, you know, we, we talked to a bunch of them. My favorite part about this story is like a lot of these people, when they got that unit airdrop, you know what they did? They didn't go and transfer it into fiat, they held on to it. They learned how to invest. And, and now that unit swap airdrop, I think. Um, it's probably worth, you know, anywhere from eight to 10, I think at some point it was worth 13 or, uh, you know, uh, 15 grand. Right. Um, and this is like life-changing money for a lot of people in the world. And, um, it, it's, you know, one of my favorite parts about crypto is, um, you know, and actually is one of my favorite projects because it has that real world impact, right? Um, you're, you're actually seeing people being lifted up out of poverty, and learning to, uh, you know, to be a part of a community, to be, um, you know, uh, actually learning how to invest. And, you know, it's just a, you know, fascinating story that I think is really underreported, honestly.
1: Yeah, I love that. Any other, are there any other platforms or like protocols or companies out there that are building that you don't think get enough attention and recognition? (laughs) Man, I, let me pull
0: up Delphi Ventures uh, portfolio. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Time to uh, yeah, yeah, time to pump the bag. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, you know, I think one, one that you know actually ties really well into Axie is uh, Yield Guild. This is something that we led the seed in, and actually is uh, probably you know what, what I consider as Delphi's first like incubation because uh, we were so so close with the team and really helped them get off the ground. Um, Yield Guild is kind of like a uh, basically a DAO that. Coordinates people across the metaverse in the gaming metaverse, and using Axie as an example because Axie is going to be one of the first games that they
1: really launch and part. By the way, Anil, you know how you know how crazy you sound to people who aren't in crypto when you're saying it's a DAO that coordinates people across the metaverse. So, yeah, yeah, let, let yeah. me, let, okay. I'll, I'll go,
0: I'll dive into that, uh, give them some context.
1: <laughs> so, you know, where
0: Axie, you know, you can see these players who are earning an income you can think about it as a job right um uh and, and these people are doing you know l- labor um and uh you know farming these assets uh playing the game which you know even though it's a, a lot of fun it still is uh, a job axie is basically going to be like a job board for the metaverse what this means is like um you know they're going to be a lot of different games There are already games that are launching with this play to earn aspect you know uh, i mentioned Illuvium earlier um you know they're, they're they just launched staking i think today um for, for their assets um they're also going to be another big game there's games like star atlas etc and they're going to be all these different environments where you know these games are going to need players to come ju- you know bootstrap the game play troubleshoot help them battle test where maybe the game needs to be modified etc um and at the same time uh people want to you know help be onboarded in the, these games what game is good what game should i join uh where do i add value etc Yield Guild kind of sits at the center of that. And basically, and, and this is just one aspect of Yield Guild, which is like my favorite part about it. Um, it basically sits in the center and it actually helps people, um, you know, coordinate with those jobs. So it, maybe some of your listeners are, you know, familiar with, uh, you know, Yearn, which is a Yearn Finance Wi-Fi, um, which basically, it, you know, a lot of what Yearn was able to do and still is able to do is like bootstrap protocols because it can direct liquidity, right? People lock... Uh, you know, some assets or some USDC into these protocols to earn, to let Yearn do like the robo asset manager in the background and give them a yield back. Um, you can think of Wi-Fi as that for, I mean, you, you can think of yield guild as that for gaming a little bit because it's like, okay, you players come in and say, Hey, I have X amount of time that I want to devote every week. Or, you know, I want to devote X amount of time of my life to play a game and earn some money. Where should I go? Yield Guild will help direct you to those games and help you partner with those games. At the same time, providing a huge benefit to these games, which you know, like I said earlier, crypto gaming hasn't taken off yet. I think Yield Guild is going to play a huge role in helping bootstrap a lot of the games that end up bringing in you know the next ten hundred x uh, you know audience uh, of crypto.
1: Yeah, um, it's kind of related topic. You guys have a, a, a lot of the founding team at Delphi. You guys weren't like engineers. You were more like um uh you know, worked in finance and maybe math backgrounds or i don't know your econ background or whatever it was when you guys are on the venture side of things looking to invest in companies will you ever invest in a founding team that isn't a bunch of engineers
0: yeah no absolutely um we've even invested in anonymous teams right which i think uh a lot of your traditional or legacy finance people are going to be like dude like you know, let me hang up on this podcast right now.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Lost, you lost like half the listeners. Right yeah, <laughs> right. Uh,
0: honestly, um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, obviously it'd be a huge plus and we do look for someone with that engineering experience. I think a lot of what the value that we do bring is we have a wide network. So if we find some founders that maybe don't have a technical background that have a really good idea that we think are very passionate or, you know, good people that I think are you know easy to work with and people that we want to, you know, help see succeed um, we'll help them recruit that engineer, you know, that, that, uh, or the engineers that they need the team, etc. um, you know, on the Delphi side, none of the founders have, uh, you know, technical background, but, you know, we brought in, uh, our CTO, Luke Saunders, who is like, you know, go, goes above and beyond. And he's also just such a great product manager. He's been able to help us and a lot of our portfolio companies hire, um, you, you know, some great talent across the space. And, um, through that, we've got, we brought on a lot of engineers, a lot of developers that are helping us incubate protocols and, uh, other cool stuff, um, you know, that I can't really talk about yet um, at Delphi that also they they have huge networks and, you know, they're constantly telling me like, hey, I have this one engineer who's thinking of leaving X protocol. Like, do you guys have any good projects? So um, yeah, it's a long story short, absolutely.
1: Nice. Um, all right. I'm going to you like, i uh, going to start to wrap this up. A few closing questions for you. One that I'm really curious about just kind of on the founder side of things is you've got the venture side of the business, you've got the research side of the business, and you have the consulting side of the business. And then within all of these, you have NFTs, you have gaming, you have yeah. DeFi. Um, you just have like, just like you have all, all these cool companies popping up. How are you spending your time right now?
0: Yeah. How am I spending my time? um So I'm like the CEO of Delphi, right? So um, you know, um a lot of my time is just like making sure all the pieces are working well and kind of growing. A lot of my time right now is focused on Delphi 3.0, which is that big launch that I was telling you about. We really do have this like in, incredible subscription that I think people are going to be mind blown when they finally see what we've been working so hard on this year and you know again prices are going, you know, up soon, so uh you know everyone should try and lock in a subscription soon because I think over the next few weeks we're going to start slowly rolling out and leaking out information of exactly what's being built there. Um, we actually also have A lot of what my time has been spent over this past month and over the next few weeks is um, this new kind of secret division of Delphi called uh, Delphi Creative that we're spinning up to. Um, What what this focuses on, simply put, is, uh, you know, it's going to focus on NFT strategies, social token strategies. We're working with, um, you know, probably the big like and I, I yeah, I don't want to sound wrong when I say this, but probably the biggest artist in the world on some crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but at the same time, we're working with a lot of our other favorite artists um, on, you know, developing not only just these strategies, but developing the tech and the gaps in the market that we see uh, in infrastructure, at least. To actually help make these uh, you know things come true, so yeah, I mean, Delphi Creative is something that I'm really interested in as well. That you know we're actually hiring uh, a lot for. So if anyone who's listening on this from that legacy you know background has experience in you know music, um, very interested in NFTs, just kind of uh, you know rebuilding what the music industry should actually look like, um, that's going to be kind of like one of the big goals of Delphi Creative.
1: Nice, amazing. Um, you guys are hiring, yeah, across oh. the board, not just for the creative team. Always hiring. And I think, um, you know, at
0: this point, I've DM would so many people in crypto um, that a lot of them might be listening and uh, have gotten this question for me. When I hire at Delphi, um, I basically I don't have a job description in mind. I don't have. Hey, this is the role that I think, you know, we're looking for. I literally go out. And if I see someone talented, passionate, I ask them, hey, what's your dream role? What would you know, what would you wake up every day? And it wouldn't be work to you. It'd be play to you. And that's where I know you're going to like excel and thrive. And, you know, uh, competitors and anyone trying to compete with us um, on that avenue is just not even going to try and keep up because for them, it's work for
1: them. For us, it's play. How do you hire people who are making hundreds of thousands a year from yield farming?
0: Yeah, that's uh, I I think Delphi is probably the only like one of the only firms that can compete at that level. Why? Because we have so, you know, one, we, we do have this big research team where as soon as you come in. You're, uh, you know, part of the family and you basically have, um, you know, total transparency and kind of like the information asymmetry that, you know, maybe one research analyst might come up with this idea and say, hey, you know, this is how I think about things. Any question you have, you know, our Telegram groups are basically your Google search, right? You can just ask and someone on the team more likely than not is either going to have an answer or know where to find that answer. Um, But on the flip side, I think, you know, like I said earlier, we boot chat the complete. You know, the company uh, from the ground up. No division has ever raised money. Delphi Ventures is all personal capital. Because of that, it allows us to be very flexible to a point that most other funds aren't able to. Right. So, for example, um, you know, on our Delphi, uh, you know, ventures, when we invest in deals, we also allow our team and analysts, associates, to co-invest with us. They also, you know, for whoever brought the deal, they get. Uh, you know, a good portion of carry as well, right, which I, I think most other funds may not even offer fractions of that. At the same time, um, you know, we're incubating a lot of projects, which you, you're not really going to be able to get access to other than, you know, being a community member once it launches, other than, um, you know, being a Delphi team member and, you know, being there on the ground floor as we build this out. Um, and I think, you know, other than that, you know, our retention has been, you know, uh, basically 100% since we started, which I think speaks volumes to kind of like how, you know, um, friendly we are and how great of a place we are to work. But I think, you know, we sit in a, at a very unique space in crypto where, you know, a lot of the people out there I hear are like, you know, I don't want to just do this one thing on this one protocol. I don't want to do this. Like, everything is interesting to us. And I think that's the biggest weakness of Delphi. is like we're just perpetually curious and we're just interested in every single rabbit hole. Like someone puts a rabbit hole in front of us, like all of us are going to be able to jump in and like lose days, weeks. To, um, and I think we just have created like a really good culture and environment for you know people who thrive and, you know, thrive doing that Um, to, you know just excel
1: how much of your time would you say is spent like messing around yield farming digging into some of the protocols like investing some of that kind of stuff versus like building the business and like managing the team and things like that
0: yeah yeah honestly um you know last year was when last year was when us co-founders we started really separating out the roles we had already kind of known where everyone had been fitting and who had been doing what, you know, I had to research MJ, Jan was managing partner ventures, Jose had a labs. Um, But, uh, you know, I was kind of upset because I was like, man, like, it's gonna suck not being on the research side, because I just love researching. I love writing about this stuff. Um, And, you know, I often felt that, you know, I didn't understand a protocol or something till I truly, you know, wrote about it. Um, But, you know, as time has gone on, I have found that, you know, what I really do enjoy is building out the business, um, seeing where it's going. Um, and, uh, you know, supporting kind of our, our team. And at the same time, uh, I found, you know, trusting kind of our research team, our analysts associates, whenever I have a question, um, even when I have to say, Hey, you know, where should I be farming right now? I'll ask and I'll get... 10 different answers. And then our chat will talk about it. And I'll finally figure out like the best answer. And it'll save me way more time. And honestly, a lot of the analysts and associates that I've hired are, you know, honestly, better researchers than I ever could be. So um, really let people excel where they can. And I I think, uh, you know, my niche is, you know, building out the business. So most of my time nowadays is just focused on, you know, building out Delphi.
1: Nice. You said that the uh, the Axie NFTs, the five Axies that you bought for like 150 160 k, are now like four to five million. Nice little thirty x right there. How big is the fund now?
0: Um, So our so Axie Infinity was those Axies was actually part of uh, another project that um, we'll roll out. You know, later this year, we're working with some portfolio companies on some interesting stuff called the Delphi Estate. It basically owns a bunch of the NFTs, so like the Axies, um, you know, the disclosure base, etc um that is really you know axes are a bulk of that that's so you know i guess if you're counting it at nav is probably somewhere between three to five mil our fund we started um you know uh with all personal capital um and we actually got kind of rugged by our anchor investor uh who who i won't say the name or anything of um and we all kind of put capital together and we started with one mil and now it's over a hundred um so uh that that's been going really well and Infinity, we just raised five mil for which um, most of which hasn't been deployed yet, and you know I'm really excited to uh, you know start th- throwing money around in the NFT space.
1: Nice, very cool, man. All right, one last question that I ask everybody, um, and then you can flip the interview and ask me one question if you want. What is the kind of one thing that's the biggest thing on your mind right now? Maybe something that's stressing you out. Maybe something that's like keeping you up at night. Uh, either that, and you know hopefully that someone in the community or maybe one of the listeners can help you out with.
0: Yeah, honestly, it is that Delphi creative stuff, right? Um, we really are looking for kind of like the most passionate and talented people, um, to come join this like ambitious, you know, ass, uh, vision and division of Delphi. Um, it is, you know, I, I think it definitely does have synergies to the rest of Delphi, but I think, you know, from a research ventures consulting background, like, uh, you know, it is a little bit more left field. So, you know, we're really trying to get, you know, the best of the best to help us build that because I think it's going to be one of the most rewarding experiences. Um, So, again, if, you know, you're interested in the intersection of music, crypto, NFTs, working with artists on kind of like innovative new ways to release music, connect with their fans, um,
1: you know, please please get in touch. Love it. Very cool. All right. You want to flip the interview? I don't know if you have one question for me.
0: Yeah. Who was your favorite podcast guest and who was your least favorite podcast
1: guest? Oh, man. I mean, least favorite right now, for sure. So, yeah, nice. I'm, not, I'm not even that's sure I, if we're releasing this one. For.
0: That's what I was hoping yeah.
1: for. So, that's, so, least favorite. I, I mean, I got to go with this one, unfortunately, <laughs> my friend. Uh, my favorite one is, um, by far, Sam Bankman-Fried. Um, nice, yeah. The guy's just like... A legend. It's almost too too easy of an answer, but like I remember recording the episode. as a two-hour interview, and... Halfway through it, I go, he's like, Yeah, I'm in like Hong Kong right now. I was like, Wait a minute, Sam, like, what time is it out there? He goes, Oh, it's 3 a.m. I was like, <laughs> Sam, man, we could have, rec- like, I yeah, could have stayed yeah. up late for you. Like, he's like, No, no, no. Like, I, I wanted to work around your schedule. I was like, Sam, man, like, are you, yeah, you're, like, ridiculous. you're literally like worth $10 billion? You're like, yeah. He's like, No, I like the office. Like, uh I was like, I was like, Okay. So it's a crazy episode. And then I was like, When are you going to sleep? He's like, Uh, he pulls up his calendar, like on the call. He's like, I have a block from like 7am till 830am. Uh, oh no, call at 8am. Okay. Yeah. I'll probably sleep from seven to eight. I was like, oh man, this guy's just operating on a different level right now.
0: Oh man. Yeah. That guy needs sleep. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm a big eight hour guy. So, uh, and and I tell my prince to get that sleep too. And everyone listening, are you eight,
1: eight hours a night?
0: Yeah, I I need I need eight hours. I mean, this morning was seven hours, and I'm not you know in the best shape. I'm your worst in your you know worst podcast because of that. If I had eight <laughs> hours, I would have been the best.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's why. Um, cool, man. All right. Anything else you want to share with folks?
0: No. Um. Honestly, no. This is this is a great pod. Really appreciate you uh, for having me on. You really enjoyed the questions, the conversation, and you know, looking forward to doing this again in a year or two.
1: Yeah, man. Likewise. All right. Be well, Anil. Take care.